Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. I'm your host, Alex Steen, episode 103. And as always, we have David Maricatani on the phone. David, it's an exciting time. World Championships is going on. We're in wrestling season as far as I'm concerned. How are you? I'm good, man. Been uh, sleeping out a lot of weird hours trying to catch on this wrestling. <laughs> but everything's good. Yeah, it's weird for me going to work during the day and trying to catch the matches around everything else. It's it's different than last year, but I've I've been binge watching as much as I can. Uh, this is just for wrestling fan. There's few times better. I mean, I love the three days in March, obviously, but this is a just nine day bender of just all things wrestling. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously we're gonna get into it, but it's been crazy so far, and it's also cool that it's really only a third over you know right and just one note that i noticed when i announced it was you know episode 103 i was a 103 in high school and i've since gotten rid of that weight class but for all you old timers that were 103 shout out to you the 103 pounders baby i'm so old there was 98 (laughs) that was that was the smallest weight class when i wrestled and they changed it yeah during my junior year in high school I could have used the 98-pound class a couple of years there. I still wrestled 98 junior freestyle, but it was 103 in high school. So what with that? Uh, before we get into the world championships, which I'm itching to do, uh, Carson Karchla commits to Ohio State, and Ohio State had their wrestle-offs this week. Uh, what's your takeaways, David? I figured Karchla was going to Ohio State as soon as Plot committed to Oklahoma State because I know Oklahoma State was on Karchla hard. And uh, so I think they probably got wind of that, you know, the decision went in that order. And the wrestle-offs were interesting. I think, you know, Micah was favored to win, but it was still interesting. Campbell was favored to win, but it was still interesting. Singletary being upset, it already throws a monkey wrench into things. There was not a lot of returning qualifiers at 285, so we had to put a couple guys in at the very bottom of the rankings based on potential. So... I mean, he may come out of the rankings. You know, we had him down there at the at 22, but we'll probably end up, you know, putting in a Brandon Metz or an Austin Myers or a Carter Isley or somebody like that. But um, Ohio State's got an interesting lineup. They have four guys who can make the finals pretty legit, and it wouldn't be surprising if if McKenna, Micah, Miles Martin, and Colin Moore, if all four of those guys made the finals, that wouldn't shock you. That's a minimum of 64 points without bonus from those guys. Yeah, and we'll get into over-unders before the season starts, so we'll get to break that down more. I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's, you know, super early in the year, so you never know how great a shape guys are in and what they're going to look like. But it's always good to watch some wrestling. And, yeah, Singletary getting upset, I think, is the biggest takeaway there. Um, obviously, Micah Jordan over Keyshawn Hayes is the headliner. Uh, but like you said, I think a lot of us expected that to happen, although, you know, they're teammates. They're going to battle it out. So, um, yeah, let's move on to Worlds, talk some freestyle, men's freestyle. If, you, if you've been living under a rock in the wrestling world, men's freestyle started <laughs> and concluded over the weekend. Uh, we actually concluded today with the last two weights. Uh Wrestled four weights the first day, four weights the second day, and then mixed in two men's freestyle weights with two women's freestyle weights ending today. Uh, last match of the tournament was Snyder Sajalayev. Again, we'll get to that. I think the best way to do this is to go in weight order so we don't miss anything. So let's start at 57 kilos. 
Obviously, the American representative was Thomas Gilman. He reached the semifinals where he was beaten by the representative from Kazakhstan. And then he was he obviously a semifinal loser, gets to wrestle in the bronze medal match. Gilman mounted a great comeback to come back and cut the lead to five to four against Suleiman Atli from Turkey, but fell short one point in the end and finished fifth. David, tell me about 57 kilos. Well, I mean, if we talk about, I guess we're going to talk about Gilman first. I mean, he looked, he looked good really until the semi, the semi was a weird match where he got teched. It just kind of didn't seem like he was teched until it was over, but he didn't get a lot of offense off in that match. I mean, he, and, you know, he talked about an inter- his interview that he needs to, to attack more. It's, there's a, obviously a lot of fallout from that. By not meddling, he's not in final X. And he's training, obviously, with Central Lee. I think we'd expect he would come back next year. And, you know, obviously we got six down there. And, you know, you know the normal lightweight guys that you would expect that are on the ladder. And we'll probably, I'm going to sprinkle this in throughout as we talk, what happens in 2019 trials, because 2019 trials and 2019 worlds sets up 2020 Olympic trials where the weights pare down from 10 to 6. So, I mean, I think if, if you look at it positively, Gilman proved that taking second was not a fluke, you know, that he took fifth and had a very close match uh, to take third. I, I think, you know, a lot of guys who commentate will say, well, you know, all you got to do is open up. Well, I think most guys that say that clearly weren't as good as these guys. And when you wrestle guys that are super good, even if you're really good, the defense is so good that sometimes you'd almost rather just play it close because you feel like if you don't get the perfect setup or the perfect finish, you're going to lose points anyway. So Gilman obviously will work through that and get past that, but I think that must have been part of his thought process because he didn't open up like we've seen him open up against guys that he knows he's a lot better than. Yeah, and that seemed to be a common theme with a lot of people who took losses so far in this tournament. You know, you'd see it on message boards and other places. Oh, they just need to get to their offense. They need to open up. But those people are usually the same people that when you do attack and get beat by a counter, they're the first ones to talk about, well, you got to be sharper than this. So it's complicated. It's not easy, uh, certainly. And, you know, he got countered a lot by Takahashi last year in the finals. Um, it may have been, and also at the World Cup, same kind of match. So that may have been an overreaction. Maybe he's trying to find that balance between aggression, which we obviously know Thomas Gillen likes to be aggressive, but also smart aggressive. And I think at times in this tournament, like you mentioned, I think he had trouble getting to his offense, um, which is weird for him. But I still, when he cut that lead to five to three in the bronze medal match, I would have bet a lot of money that he was going to get it done. And that's why I don't bet on wrestling because it didn't work out for him. But, you know, it's like I said, I think he proved a lot of things this year for a while there. I think a lot of people were writing him off um, as a fluke finalist. He was in, you know, like I said, he was in the match to medal. And I expect he's going to be harder to dislodge than a lot of people that, I uh, think Spencer Lee and Dayton Fix might be the future this way. Uh, I think Gilman's going to have his hand in that. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, it's a flashback, but Gilman looked a lot bigger and stronger than Fix. Yes. And I don't 
think that's going to change. And, and Dayton, as good as he is, his strength is not leg attacks. His strengths are shrugs and other things. And, you know, obviously at the junior level, for at least one year, he showed he was unbelievable on top. But it's like everything in the world, guys, you know, guys get scouted, guys get solved. And it's your ability to adapt and grow that keeps you on top of the world. So this is a super interesting weight, though, especially when we talk about 61, because this is a weight where everyone has to come through the bracket. Nobody sits at the end. Right. And just to recap the rest of the world's results, the defending world champion, Yuki Takahashi, um, ends up losing in the semifinals to the Russian, uh, Yuguev, who ends up winning the gold medal over the Kazakh that beat Gilman. Um, yeah, I'll, this is this is going to continue to be a really fun weight to watch internationally as well as domestically for a long time, I think. There's a lot of talent at this weight. For sure. We'll bump up to 61 kilos, which it was interesting. I think a lot of people would have pointed to this as our at least most unproven weight, possibly the weakest weight for Team USA. Um, even when it was Nashawn Garrett who won the trials, then he picks up an injury. Joe Colon's our last-minute fill-in. And lo and behold, Joe Colon goes out, works his way into the semifinals, and takes a bronze medal. Uh, David, we've seen this at the age group level a fair number of times. How crazy is it to have a backup win a medal at the senior level? It, it's, I mean, yeah, I guess it's crazy. Another way to say the first part, which I think is maybe the kindest way to say it, is the gap between Nation and Cologne is probably the smallest gap of any of the 10 weights between our number one and number twos. So Cologne. He has his style. There's a guy that does get to his offense even when he loses. He goes for stuff. He doesn't have two-to-one matches. Uh, he scores a lot of points. And where Cologne really benefited, besides obviously doing a great job of staying ready, he got himself seated. And we talked about this, you know, when we were talking about this on the preview, where he got the four seed that separated him from a sheet off and Lomitazi, who neither one of them ended up winning, but were kind of the favorites coming in, and it got him a bye. So, you know, he had to beat the Ukrainian, and then he had to beat the Dubov, which he tacked, and now he's sitting in the top six. Um, he lost to YBR, who then wrestled an unbelievable match, scored a five-point move, and really that was it, but hit an amazing fireman's to beat Rashidov in the finals. You know, but Cologne at the time was one of the guys that kept America in the team race. I mean, super impressive. He now sits in the final X for 2019. I doubt he can do it, but, you know, I wonder if he will try to go down to 57 or not. I, I think it'd be a huge cut for him, but it certainly will be interesting to see. What did you think about his run? Uh, well, I mean, the first round match – it's always nice to see guys get on the board at these things. You know, a lot of them, a lot of the field goes 0 and 1. So you're kind of worried about that. You know, he beats Ukraine 9 6, and you kind of think, okay, now he's got Dubov, who we've seen before, really tough guy, veteran. Like, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe that's all he's going to do. And then he texts Dubov, and suddenly you're dreaming. You know, suddenly it's like, oh, this could be a gold medal run. This could be something crazy. We could see something insane. And, you know, he, he runs up against Von Rodriguez, who's, you know, a fan favorite, another veteran, you know, he's 34 or 35, depending on who you believe. And 
unfortunately, <laughs> well, that, you know, that was a point of contention on the broadcast. I think they said both ages at one point or another. Uh, but, you know, the problem with Bon Rodriguez, it's not that he's necessarily, you know, he's, his resume is better than Cologne's, but it's not that he's that much better than him. It's just he's really good in the positions that Cologne's really good. And, you know, Cologne would go out there. Like I said, he went for it. Great job by him. Went double unders. But that's probably the last thing you want to do against Bon Rodriguez. So, uh, fell down. But then, you know, he wrestled the Iranian in the bronze medal match. And I thought that was going to be a really tough match. And Cologne dominated. You know, ended up 13-2 to two after he rolled him through on some gut wrenches. It was impressive. Um, and it, like I said, stayed ready and all that. That's great. But you still got to go out and execute. And he pulled – a couple of wins that I didn't see coming. So really great job by him. And then, you know, you mentioned Bon Rodriguez in the finals. Veteran guy that we've all been watching for a million years. I mean, the term Bon Bombs is a thing because he goes out and throws people on their heads all the time. And it's great to watch. And yeah, he wrestled, I don't know, five or 10 seconds of that final. You know, that's, that's all he needed. Got shot in, picked up a, a fireman's, threw the Russian for five. It was a clear five. And then, yeah, he had his track shoes on in the second period, but he made it stand up. So uh, that was awesome. Uh, Russian coach showed himself a little bit, got red carded at the end of that match and bumped the ref. Um, I hope there are sanctions coming from him because that's obviously unacceptable. Uh, but that was a, a wild finish to just cap off. With, you know, we were already feeling good after Cologne got the bronze medal a couple matches before that, and then we got to see that. So that was awesome. Yeah, I mean – you're right when you say he wrestled for five seconds, but when you have the lead and you have to defend somebody as good as Rashidov, I mean, you're still you're still wrestling. And honestly, I think the reason why he got the lead was Rashidov didn't wrestle through the period. If you watch the replay, he's in the air looking at the clock. Yes. <laughs> kind of crazy. So, I mean – the one thing you see over and over, and we saw a lot of matches end late, you know, where the winner and loser changed, you know, changed in the last five, six, three, two seconds. And it's, it's, it's extremely important just to, you know, it's an obvious statement to put Russell through the end of the match. Yeah. And I'm glad you pointed that out. I mean, I say he wrestled for five seconds, maybe he wrestled offensively for five seconds. He did an amazing job of, because he was on the edge several times late after he was already tied five to five and he had an unbelievable job to stay in bounds and stay in position. I, you watch it again. I don't know how he did it. He's, his back must be insanely strong. Uh, but you mentioned a lot of matches changing late. You know, his quarterfinal Rodriguez blew the match. He had a six Oh lead had dropped behind eight to six against the Iranian that Cologne beat in the bronze medal match. And it was the weirdest. It was the most, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Rodriguez is completely out of gas for the last two minutes and late, he shoots in, gets completely flattened. I mean, it was a nice counter just to get in because the Iranian originally had initiated the attack. And then Rodriguez kind of went around, found a way to a leg, got completely flattened to his stomach, locked his hands around the Iranian's waist, laying on his stomach. And somehow from there in the last 10 seconds in the match, he built up and threw the Iranian for four. And I, I couldn't believe it. Um, so he came from that position, almost losing that match to be, you know, possibly being either in the repechage or out of the tournament to winning a world championship. And that's, it, it was a miracle. I mean, I, he was gassed. He'd been gassed for two or three minutes at that point. That was just, I, I don't know 
I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Yeah, you never know with him when he's gassed or when he's playing possum. And then also reminds me, uh, somebody that I really trust talked about how the Cubans and versus the Japanese, how they train, and how the Japanese, everything is technique and flowing, and I'm actually moving my hands around while I'm talking to you, but a lot of stop touch, moving your feet, angles, and the Cubans train where they really, really focus on explosive actions and you you know you could see that in his style for sure absolutely um moving up to 65 kilos uh logan steber tough draw again second year in a row um he ran up against the russian chikayev in the first round lost a, a tough seven to five match um, unfortunately chikayev ran into otaguru of japan in the semifinals and lost which eliminated logan that was just an insane half of the bracket again, because there was also uh, Vladimir Kinchikashvili from Georgia, former world champion on that half. Um, Ivanov from Bulgaria is tough. There's just, there was a, a long list of good wrestlers on that side. So the early loss ends up biting Steber. But uh, I think the story at this weight was really Otaguru, who's 19 years old and just lit up the scoreboard on his way to victory. Uh, what did you think, David? Well, we can start with that. The other girl match in the semis, it really felt like they tried to give that match away to Chikayas. I mean, I at some point, they I looked like other girl scored four, and they gave two the other way. So that kid's super impressive and really, really composed, sort of the opposite of the, the Russian coach at the weight class before. And... Uh, I think 65 kilos. I think 65 kilos for the United States in 2019 and 2020 is the most wide open weight. I think like there's the most guys that could win that weight uh, to make the world team in 19 and the Olympic team in 20. Like you look, can Logan Steber do it? Sure. Can Jordan Oliver do it? Sure. Can Zane Rutherford? Sure. Can Yanni Diakama Hollis? Sure. Julian McKenna? Maybe. Jaden Ironman? Maybe if he gets high, hot. That's six guys just off the top of my head. And, I mean, that doesn't count like the Josh Kindigs and the other guys of the world that may not be able to run that whole gauntlet but could certainly beat one of those guys in the quarterfinals. So that's also an Olympic weight. So I don't think Joe Colon will move up. And I think we've seen James Green try to come down, and I just think he's bigger than a 143-pound human being. But this weight – there's going to be a ton of questions going into 2019. And obviously it's a really, it's been a tough wait for us internationally. Uh, you know, when Steber won his world title, it was at a non-Olympic weight and it was where guys that wrestled in the Olympics weren't allowed to wrestle in that tournament. So it's certainly legitimate, but it also, you know, takes some of those guys out of it and, you know, so it's going to be really interesting to see when you, you know, maybe to kind of jump ahead, when you look at the mishmash of all the, the Americans that will be in this thing in 19, are there a couple of guys that seem to be at the head of the class for you? Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Oliver, if he's inspired and right, is right there. Obviously, you have to look at Rutherford, who was the rep last year. I'd put him at the head of the, head of the line right now. Um, I wonder – what his size is like, um, especially with the new weigh-in rules. I, I wonder what, you know, if he's going to be able to stay at 65 and be okay. I, 
I think those two are the ones that jump out. Obviously, you know, we talk about Yanni. He's great, and I think he's going to be there at some point. I don't know if two years is enough time, um, especially he's been kind of injury prone lately. You know, he had it his senior year in high school. He was hurt his, you know, into the freshman year. He's hurt. Um, that hurts the development. and It keeps you off the mat for a little while. So I don't know if I'm ready for him, but you never know. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Oliver and Rutherford would be the two that jump to mind. It's weird to keep Steber out of that because I think he's there domestically that he can compete with those guys. Obviously we know he can, um, but he's really struggled to replicate that run. And I, I can see you kind of talking around it and it is hard to talk about a world champion like that, but, you know, to your point, the 61 kilo world champion before that had been Haji Aliyev who went down to 57 kilos to try to make the Olympics. And he did make the Olympics um, at 57 kilos. So there were just certain guys that weren't around nothing against Logan Steber, but he's not proven that he can be a a world champion when everybody's around. Um, Maybe he holds the spot domestically, but if he does, he's going to have to figure something out because he's not a metal threat right now, um, which is, you know, we've seen guys bounce back, but yeah, I think, I think we're looking at Rutherford and Oliver. Rutherford really is the guy. I don't think he's wrestled a lot of senior level freestyle. Obviously he was our rep last year, um, but he, I think he's got some upside still there to figure out. Um, Cause obviously he did that last year still with a year of folk style to go. So um, he may be the guy that if anybody's going to really jump levels and be really good, I think he, I think it's him. What do you think about Aaron Pico? I think there's any chance he comes back, and if he does, what do you think about him at that weight class? Because we forget about him, but yeah. he was an eyelash away from making the team, you know, as a 19-year-old, I think, against Molinaro. And Molinaro was about, you know, three inches of Chimizo's knee touching the ground from being the bronze medalist. Yeah. I mean, that's he was that close, and I – I don't know why he would, I guess, is my quandary with that. I mean, maybe that's unfinished business for him and he wants to do it. I mean, competitive people will do that kind of stuff. And he's obviously a competitive person. Um, But looking at the money he's got, even for his level of MMA, and if he can continue to win there, he's leaving a lot on the table to come back and train wrestling. And if he doesn't train wrestling full time, I don't think he can compete with those guys. I mean, as good as he is, as naturally talented as he is, as you know, as great as he was before he left, you know, that we're talking about 2016. That was already two years ago. And then you're talking about another year, maybe two, and he's not wrestling senior level events. He's not, you know, focused on this day to day. I just, I don't think you can come back and walk in and do that at his level. I mean, if he committed to it, sure, but I just can't imagine he's going to do that. The one argument for why he would, and first of all, I agree with what you're saying, but I'll just play devil's advocate, is if you make an Olympic team, if you're an Olympian, if you were to medal, those kind of things, his asking price, because he doesn't have, you know, a contract with Bellator that runs forever. Right. And he obviously got clipped in his first fight by like a, by a buddy of mine from here in St. Louis. And he's looked unbelievable since then, like not only winning, but just destroying human beings. But, you know, if you go make the, even if you're just, not just, but in fighting, if you're an Olympic team member, 
that wipes that first five out of everybody's mind and it drives his asking price up. So you're right. He would lose some money in the short term, but if he, if he was able to accomplish at least the goal of making the team, I think it would be, I think it would financially benefit him over the long haul. Yeah. And I, I think to that end, it would, it would probably benefit wrestling if he takes another loss between now and then, because if he's won all his fights, but his first one, I, I don't know that you can derail that sort of momentum. I mean, you know, you know, I'm just learning the MMA side of things, but it sure seems like they're like a lot like boxing where if a guy hadn't lost in a long time, you're more likely to get that title shot and that kind of stuff. It's, it's that momentum. But if you take a loss, that might take time to recover, especially if you're not at the highest levels yet. So maybe he takes a loss and decides he wants that Olympic team. Cause I think you make a good point about that, but I just, I don't see it. I don't see him making that decision ultimately. I tend to agree with you, but it's interesting, right? Absolutely. It's always interesting to think about. And if he came back, it'd be a big story no matter what he did. So that'd be interesting. Sure. Uh, moving up to 70 kilos, uh, James Green got a first round win, but was unfortunately defeated by the Mongolian in his second round match, who promptly lost to the Russian that eventually won the thing. So Green was out. Um, this one was kind of tough to take. I think a lot of people, especially at that point, um, we needed James Green in the team race. We still had a chance at that point. Team USA did. Uh, so that was tough out, especially with a multiple-time world medalist like Green in there. Uh, what was your reaction, David? There's a bunch of reactions at this weight class. First of all, you know, Green losing, like you said, really took the win out of the team race, out of the sales there. And then Gazi Magomedov. <laughs> You know, I could talk about some of the Americans and the scores that they won by, but he won 6-4-2-0-3-0-3-1-7-6. So we're talking about a guy that knows how to win close matches. And also, I want to give a shout-out to Hazlan Garcia, who represented Canada, but is one of the uh, coaches down at Arizona State. Super nice guy. He uh, he filled in for us at Battle or Missouri Border Brawl when we had an injury. A really great wrestler. And, he actually um, ended up placing in the top 10 because he got pulled into the repishage. So congrats to him on, I think, either ninth or 10th, but top 10 in the world. Impressive. This is obviously a non-Olympic weight. It'll be, you know, Green will have to go through the open. But it, it also feels like, and I was talking to a friend of mine, maybe you can think of some guys. To me, the only guy that really jumps off the page like, could be a legitimate threat to him feels like no. I mean, are you, is there anybody else you're thinking of like, Oh no, no. And the other guy that I think of, but I don't think he would cut down would be Imar. Yeah. I mean, I think Nolf is the one that jumps out. And of course he's dominated 157 recently. And there really isn't another one unless somebody like Rutherford can't hold 65. And we talked about all the guys at 65 and especially 2018, you're getting close to that Olympic year um, you wouldn't expect people to move to the non-Olympic weight, but you know, if you can't hold the weight, you can't hold the weight. So right. it'll be interesting to see if there's anybody out of that group that jumps up, but yeah, I think all eyes are on golf right now. And I mean, green has had a weird run because, you know, he cut, he mentioned he cut down to 65 and for the Olympics and just wasn't the same guy. He's had an injury. He needs something. And I don't know, you know, it's, hard from the outside to tell if he's struggling with, you know, getting full 
steam ahead for training, if he's had, you know, too many injuries that have disrupted that, if there's something else going on, who knows? You know, he's a two-time world medalist, so I'm not going to write him off based on one year, but it's, you know, it was unfortunate to see that. And, you know, he wins one match. Even if he lost to the Russian after that, he would still be alive for third place. So the margins are thin. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Gazi Magomedov, uh, old school Russian man, just win, baby. Uh, <laughs> I mean, even in the finals against Batarov, who's an used to be a Russian and is now re- representing for Bahrain, and I thought it was interesting. You know, Batarov races to the finals, won five to one in his first round, then pin Tech Tech to the finals, and if he hadn't run out of gas, probably beats the Russian as well. And you know, he's the guy that beat Rutherford in a very competitive match at last year's World at 65. So. Uh, I tell you something about Rutherford, too, I think. Well, the rumor out of Penn State was that the reason why Zanus sat out is that his, his body wasn't healthy, you know, that, and he really didn't look like himself in the NCAA finals uh, beating Ronnie Perry. I mean, no disrespect to Ronnie Perry, but, you know, Zane was just usually just dominant in those matches, and he won, but he wasn't his dominant self. Right. And Penn State, it feels like, held him out to get him healthy, and, you know, the more I think about what you're saying, he wrestled 149, 143 is a different beast, right? I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, it's obviously six pounds, you know, almost three kilos, and it's two-day weigh-ins now, right? And it's scratch and scratch. So maybe you do see him go up with the thought of he tries to go up in 19, make the team, get high-level matches, and even though it's a long shot, maybe he goes all the way up uh, to 74 in 2020. You know, maybe the next time we see this dude, he's going to weigh 160 pounds and be gigantic. And, you know, I mean, we saw David Taylor do it with his body. So if Zane popped out looking like Junior Taylor, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise us, right? Yeah. And, I mean, you can go one a couple of different ways because there's also ways to shrink your body. And I know that sounds bad on the surface, but there's ways to shed some muscle over time, especially when you have some time off like he's had. So that could be the other direction he goes is to – thin out a little bit and go 65 because yeah I mean next year is flat flat this year was flat and then plus two kilos on the second day but next year is scratch scratch so you can't be cutting a lot of weight and do this and we're about to talk about Bake in a couple weight classes who's not cutting very much weight I think the future is you know cut less um, and that's certainly what UWW is hoping so uh, but yeah well you thought that at a lot of these weight classes that the guys that had a lot of medals or made, you know, the quarters or the semis for guys that had moved up from a weight before. I mean, you know, we can talk about a lot of the chemisos, like the most obvious one, even though he didn't medal, these guys moving up. And, you know, I think that we're about to jump into this weight, but Burroughs has wrestled 74 forever. You know, scratch and scratch is going to be a, night, a nightmare for that guy. Because, I mean, he is jacked up. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting for guys like him because at this point, he can't, you know, 2020, I think is, and I don't know if it's his last run. I would expect, I would speculate because of how old he is and how long he's been around that 2020 is his kind of his last Olympic run. You really don't expect him to go 79 because of that. And 86 seems a world away, but yeah, he's been putting his body 
trying to build his body to night before weigh-ins, one day weigh-ins for 74 for years. And now they're changing the rules on him at the last minute. And I'm sure he, you know, he's got a good team around him. I'm sure they understood that, you know, well in advance and had himself planned, but that's a lot to change. Um, just to re recap 74, uh, Burrow's got a walk over in his first match, beat Hosin Kani four to three uh, from Iran and then ran into Sitikov of Russia, who ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, he beat Burroughs 6-5, to five, and then Sitikov turned around and beat Chimizo 3-2 to two in the semifinals, um, which put Chimizo and Burroughs on the backside. Um, we got that match, which before the draws came out, I think a lot of us were hoping to see in the finals. We got that match for bronze, and Burroughs swiped a 4-4 win for his second world bronze medal. Um, Obviously not what he wanted. Uh, his quote afterwards was, sometimes when you can't get what you want, you get what you can. And that's, that seems to be the Burroughs we all have come to know over the years. You know, he's, he wants to win. He wants to be the highest level, um, and that's the standard he holds himself to. But he's not going to, you know, say anything bad about bronze. He, he lost a match, and he came back and rallied. So uh, he's led Team USA for a while, and I thought that really spoke to the way he's done things over the years. There's so much to unpack it this way. So I should have taken notes. I want to talk about Sitikov. I want to talk about Chimizo. I want to talk about the mental, uh, I mean, I don't know how to call it, the mental error at the end of the Burroughs-Sitikov match. But I want to start with, and it's, I'm going to jump to a different weight class, but it's tied to this. Uh, Taylor Miller posted on Twitter that they – did not blind draw at 97. They intentionally separated Sajalayoff and Snyder. Yes. And then Burroughs, so I, I mean, I believe that's true. I know Taylor pretty well. And I, I believe A, she's smart, and B, she's competent and takes being a journalist seriously. So I'm pretty freaking sure it's accurate. How did Burroughs get the four seed? Because he wasn't seeded at all coming in, and he didn't have the fourth most points. So how did this happen? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I have one piece of speculation that I think may have happened um, because originally when the seeds came out, we had asked a question, you know, we being the wrestling media in general, those of us who follow these things, uh, because before they had talked about, well, we're going to seed, but then if the guys don't, you know, because they were last year, they separated all of the medalists if they returned at the same weight class from the year before. So four medalists, four seeds. But if they didn't, uh, they didn't move anybody up into those seeds. You know, if they didn't come back, if they didn't wrestle, if they moved weight classes, whatever. So fine. So we asked the question when these seeds came out, you know, are you going to move people up into the seeds or, you know, because we knew, I forget what Burroughs was. He was 30th or something. He was way down the list, but we know all of the list of people that have earned seeding points. So, we asked that question and they said, yeah, yeah. If the four guy drops out, we'll move up the fifth guy to the four seed. And then obviously this thing happens with Burroughs. Well, they didn't move people up. If they, when they announced those top four seeds, sent them out before worlds, if those guys showed up, they got the seeds. If not, they would move up. Like if the two seed dropped out, they'd move up the three and the four, but they never moved up the five to the four seed. So my guess is that Burroughs just happened to get drawn into the four spot. Um, and it's not a pure guess, an educated guess, because I can't imagine after hearing that story about 97, which I have my, my rant about UWW canned for later, we might not have time to get to it, but 
why, if you're going to separate Snyder and Sadjulayev, why would you put Burroughs on the same side of the bracket as Chimizo? It makes no sense. Um, so, yeah, and, and to expound upon that, people are saying, well, yeah, and what about Yasnati and Taylor? Well, Taylor never made a world team. Right. So, I mean, he's a world champion now, and he's unbelievable, but he never made a world team. Right. But Burroughs and Chimizo's credentials, I was talking to Eric Guerrero, he was telling me before the bronze medal match that if Chimizo won, he would be a medalist at four different weight classes and started as well as at 57 kilos. Yeah. And it's like half knock at 79. Like he's a medalist at five different weight classes. So basically what you're saying is they had a criteria where they would move two, three, and four up, depending on if one, two, or three fell out. But five didn't move up to four, and they can just right. – we're supposed to believe they just randomly drew a four guy in there? Yep. Uh, you know, and, and somebody would have to take that spot. The fact that, you know, this was a perfect bracket so we can't see the buys uh, is because it had 32 people in it. If if we see, could see the buys, that could you know, go a little ways towards supporting that. But since this one happened to be 32, I, there's no proof there. But I can't imagine they would have put Burroughs there on purpose and somebody had to go there when the, one of the seeds dropped out. So um, that's my guess. I, I don't know. UWW does some baffling things, and they did this time. But um, I'm going to keep it on the map for right now just because we have so much to get to still. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and this week, too, before we get into the rest of the borough stuff, Beckside medaled again. So kind of cool. Two junior college guys actually medaled. Joe Colon and Beckside. I do what I but both junior college guys actually coached against both those guys. Um, super nice. I can't call them kids or men now, but they were. Beckside is literally one of the nicest human beings you've ever talked to in your life. And so, congratulations to him on meddling as well. Um, the whole thing with Burroughs, I think, is, you know, he's, I think, you know, I got a chance to do a long, fairly long interview with him. You know, he didn't commit to really anything besides getting through this quad. I know he desperately wants to, to beat or at least tie John's record of six. And I think he would argue if he got the six along with two bronze, even though they're not consecutive, I think Jordan would argue, well, that's better. You know, so he's got 2019. He sits in final X now. I thought the, the end of the Sidikoff match is just some – I never really saw Burroughs really ever make a mental mistake like that. And it just was kind of shocking to me. And then I thought, you know, I – well, let's just start with that. I mean, what, what did you think about the end of that match? Well, we've seen, especially last year and, you know, the last couple of years in all competitions, and certainly last year at Worlds, you know, he trailed in every match and managed to win them all. And we've seen him do that so many times that, yeah, when he scored late, he scores with 8.4 seconds to go, I think, on the restart to go ahead on criteria. Well, I can't remember if it was criteria or ahead by one, but it, regardless – yeah, I you think he's got it won because he never makes that mistake. And he just, Sidikov caught his ankle off the whistle for those who didn't see it. I mean, just, I don't know if Burroughs fell asleep, if he thought he was comfortable in that position, what happened exactly, but gave up the push out and, you know, clear his day, obviously, before time ran out to lose the match. So it's it's not something you expect, but it's one of those things that at this level, if you're constantly in close matches, at some point you're going to make a mistake, right? 
Well, we used to think that, and then Kyle Dake won four national titles. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but theoretically, yeah, the longer you're, in, the more coin flips you're in, you know, eventually you feel like you're going to lose one. But, you know, Sitikoff, he went six five three two 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 to win. So that guy won three coin flips too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, in his match against Chimizo was similar in that, I mean, in that you thought any minute Chimizo was just going to explode and score and win, and you didn't really see how Sitikov was going to score. He got the one takedown. Even that, I was kind of surprised he got it. And then you kept waiting for Chimizo to score, and he just never did. So that was – he had quite a run. Obviously, to beat those two – who are both multiple time world champions is big enough. And then to finish it off to, with the championship, but man, um, I, this is a bracket and I hate to do this to Sitikov because, you know, he just earned his world championship. But if we're wrestling this again tomorrow, I'm still not picking him. I'm, I'm going to pick one of those other two guys and probably Jordan Burroughs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple ways to look at it, right? Like Burroughs was eight seconds away from winning and then he proved, he could beat Chimizo. Yeah. And certainly, you know, he's he's favored favored over the Georgian in the finals. But the other thing is he had to kind of sneak by the Iranian in the second round. True. I just think the margin of error is really a lot smaller now, right? And that's not any sort of newsflash or brilliant insight from the guy that's supposed to be the you know, the wrestling coach on this podcast, but it, it seems like the gap is closed. I think a lot of that has to do with just, I don't know how much smarter you can get, how much that can make up for losing a step of athleticism along the way. Yeah. That's no intention. Go ahead. Oh, well, I just, I remember, I think it was after the Rio Olympics that, um, you know, his wife tweeted that it, it's not easy and it hasn't been for a long time now and kind of referenced that kind of stuff. You know, he's, he's not, you know, his 2011 just coming out of college physical peak self anymore. And at some point, like you referenced, you know, the improvement from technique and knowledge and experience, that curve starts to flatten and your physical peak is going down. So that, and that was two years ago. So yeah, I mean, I just, his margin for error isn't much. And you watch him against a guy like Tamizo, who's just an insane athlete. And you realize, you know, he's got to be, smarter, better technique than all these guys. And most of the time he still is. Uh, but one mistake was enough this time to do him in. Yeah, it's, it is just, and we're going to get into this. He's obviously the guy that sits in final X now. He's unbelievable ambassador. Um, I, the one thing, like I was listening to the, you know, the broadcast, I don't think these guys, honestly, I don't think guys feed off each other when they don't train with each other 12 months of the year, like it is such a selfish sport at that level where you just have to do the best you can. And it's, you know, I, I don't think, you know, it's like, look, if any, like, okay, Hey, you're my buddy. You won. That's great. But if you didn't, you can't let it affect you, you know? So I do think the other interesting thing about this is if you go back to the Olympics, he has gone DNP gold bronze, and, you know, the four before that were gold, gold, bronze, gold. So, and it was, a, and then, I'm sorry, gold, 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 bronze, gold. You know, 2011 Worlds, 2012 Olympics, 2013 Worlds, 2014 bronze. That was 
you know, when he was injured like crazy. And then, you know, then you go to 15 where he won it again. But then the 16, 17, 18, if you break that off in a segment, it's, it's a career most of us would die for. But it's not at the same level that the years were before that. Right. And it's, it's to be expected, too, right? I mean, 30 is not old in most walks of life, but 30 is pretty old for a, a prime wrestler at 74 kilos in the middle weights. That's right. – it's getting there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack, but there's three world champions still to come. Uh, so we'll move on to 79 for now. And the first world champion uh, for Team USA, at least the lightest – was Kyle Dake, um, you know, you know, you talked about him winning close matches at the NCAA level, not so much in international wrestling. Um, got a bye, <laughs> then tech, 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 all shutouts, including the 13-0 tech of Gazi Magomedov of Russia, who beat him in the Yargan finals earlier this year. Uh, that was possibly one of the most impressive wins of the tournament, considering we, I think a lot of people saw the Russian as his biggest obstacle, and he just dominated that match. And then he went out in the finals and beat Jabril Hasanov, who has been around for a long time from Azerbaijan, good solid wrestler, beat him 2-0. So he concludes the tournament having not given up a single point, and other than the final, just dominating. Um, I mean, what else can you say? Well... I think we need to give him more credit on the finals. Like, Hasanov is now, like, a five-time world medalist. So, right. he's a lot better than good solid. Like, that guy's elite. The 13-0 dismantling of Gazimagomedov was, if I had set the point spread at 12 and a half, you know, or nine and a half, there's nobody in the world that would have taken Dake. Like, you know, if, if he could have snuck one out six to five or five-five criteria, I talked to somebody who's really close to the USA wrestling team, and they said Dake beats everybody in the room. They said he beats Burroughs, he beats Taylor, he beats Snyder. I don't know if that's true, but this guy has no reason to lie to me, and he's been somebody that I've trusted for a lot of years. And if that's the case, this is a really interesting dilemma because a group of us were talking about what Dake was going to do. And I think the general consensus was if he went down to 74 – it would be harder to make the team, but it's closer to his nat national or natural weight, excuse me, and be easier for him to medal. If he goes up to 86, you know, he's never lost to Taylor in anything important, so it might be easier to make the team, but probably harder to medal. I mean, geez, he almost beat Jaden Cox, and now those guys are 13 kilos, which is, what, 27 pounds apart. So... Here's what I think is going to be interesting. I think Dake gets to sit in – I know Dake gets to sit in the final X at 79. I think he tries to make the team at 74 or 86. And if you think that, I think he tries it at 86 because I don't think it makes any sense for him to cut down to 74 two-day weigh-in and then have to build his body back up to wrestle either in all likelihood the heat or during her. But I think it's going to be fascinating. And if he's stomping people in practice, like I've been told, I mean, I, somebody told me they go, he's the guy like, they go, he's the guy that's going to win it for sure from America. Like more than the other guys, that this was this guy's number one pick. Yeah. So what do you think about all that? 
I mean, it's really interesting because you know you look at Dake's history. He's been up to 86 before. Um, obviously, we know he was at 74 as of last year's trials and that th- amazing three-match series with Burroughs. So we know, you know, he can still make that. And then, you know, he's talking about in interviews this week that he's basically walking around right close to weight. Um, I think he might have even mentioned that he was underweight um, going into the last day, which is amazing for someone you know at this level it's it's a good thing with the new system but at the same time that that piece of information obviously lends itself to thinking he's going to go down to 74 I just don't know how he's that small I mean his body has been he's obviously proven he can grow and shrink his body on a whim so I think he can go either one whichever one he decides is the best path for him I I understand your take about you know going 74 and then trying to build back up to 79 I think though if he's going to make that move next year I think he's going to go whichever weight he thinks he can win and I don't think he's going to think about the secondary part um because I I agree but so then it becomes yep he He's never lost to Taylor. And let's say they wrestle now and, he's, and he beats Taylor. He just watched Taylor go through the hardest draw, at least in the Americas, any of them had, and won it, and won it fairly easily. Like, right. you know, just, I mean, besides being getting behind to an absolute stud and then getting kicked in the head, you know, those were the only two sort of scary moments for Taylor along the way. Yeah, I I don't know. I have a hard time putting myself in these positions. I I mean, if it was me, I'd be going down to 74 because that's where I have been the bulk of my career. And that's where I see the future going. But the difference between, well, one of the many, many differences between me and Kyle Dake is that it, it probably thinks in his mind right now, whether that guy was telling you the truth or not, I guarantee you, he thinks he can win either way. So he can, do whichever one he wants. And, you know, that's probably how he's thinking right now. And he should after his performances. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I think for a Team USA standpoint, it's probably better if he goes to 74 because even though Burroughs is still great, he has less years left than David Taylor. So it's probably better. But I don't think Dake's worried about that. I think he's worried about him, himself, and he should be. You know, you talked about it being a selfish sport. He needs to do what's best for him, and whichever one he decides is fine. I, I have no idea, honestly. As we talk about this more, I'm getting even less sure. Well, it's also one of the more fascinating ones, right? Because he, like, I don't think we think Joe Cologne could go up and beat Logan Steber or those guys. And I don't think we think he can make 57 kilos. And then James Green, we know, can't make 65 kilos. I mean, he did. He just looked like freeze-dried crap, like he's just too big of a human being. And we know Nolf isn't getting down to 143. So this is kind of the first one where you go, this guy could go either direction, and he is a handful whichever direction he goes. Yeah. And it's really – it's it underscores how ridiculous six weights is at the Olympics that we're talking about a guy having to go either cut down 11 pounds or go up about 15 pounds. 13. Yeah. 13. To, to do what? Exactly. You're right. You're right. I mean, yeah. to, because he's already the best in the world at 79 and we're going to make him 
make that decision for 2020. And that's, that's really unfortunate. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. And I don't know if he's going to do it next year. It kind of makes sense to do it. But obviously from a team USA standpoint, I hope he doesn't, I hope he wrestles 79 next year and we can do this again, but we shall see. Um, yeah, we'll move up to 86 kilos. David Taylor, he was actually the first because of the order of the groups of weights. And each day he was the first champion world champion for team USA at this world championships. Uh, we've referenced it a couple of times. He starts out with the defending world champion, Hassan Yazdani Tarati of Iran in the first round. Um, Taylor had beaten him before at the 2017 world cup. Um, and the match kind of went similar. Uh, you know, Donny Charati started out in the lead. Taylor wore him out and owned the second period. And from there, it was, like I said, not easy. Um, but Tech and then an 8-0 decision to get in the semifinals got kicked in the face. I was very worried about that when that happened. Um, but being mm-hmm. yeah. 7-5, I think that kick had a lot to do with that final score. And then rolled up in the finals to win 12-2 over Erdine from Turkey to win his first world championship in his first opportunity. Um, David, go through wherever you want to start. (laughs) First of all, Taylor was dominant, but he's never beaten Cox, Dake, or Burroughs to make the team. That's frightening how good those guys are. Uh, Hazani Chirati Chirati came back and went tech, tech, pin to take third. So it says a lot about him you know, coming back, but also how good he is. Clearly, those were the two best guys that met right away. I was the same way as you watching that semifinal match. Uh, Karugliev, I don't think it was anything dirty. I think he just did a kick out and happened to catch him in the face because he turned his back. He'd have to be pretty accurate to do that while not looking. We're super happy for Taylor. He wrestles the style that a lot of Americans want to wrestle where you're not only – it's not the old school where you're just going forward and trying to get guys tired and then score. He's going forward and, and attempting holds and setups. And he just really wants to put you in scrambles. If he puts you in scrambles, he's going to beat you. Um, a, he knows those positions and situations better than the other guy. And B, the longer the cardio goes, the better it is for him. So, obviously, fan favorite. He's at an Olympic weight. And he's got Dake that could come up, and he's got Jaden, who we'll talk about in a minute, who could come down, although I have heard strongly he won't. But an unbelievable moment for him, and certainly puts him in an unbelievable position to repeat at 2019 and put him in the catbird seat for 2020. Yeah, you know, this is, you know, we've been talking about it because we've all been living through it and watching this happen, you know, with Burroughs, Dake, and Taylor, and then adding Cox to the mix watching all those guys fight over spots you know we've been talking about how amazing this era is and you know how crazy that is to have all those guys at similar weights this week kind of cemented that in the history book so when somebody looks back and goes hey look at all those world championships that burroughs won and hey look dake was a world champion and taylor was a world champion and cox will get to his world champion now when they look back and they didn't live through that, they're going to understand how crazy this was because now they all have the resume to prove it. And we all knew they were that good. Um, and now they've got, they've proven it. So that was fun to watch. Um, and like I said, I don't think it was dirty by the Russian either. Um, he caught him on the chin, looked like Taylor might've been dazed a little bit. And it certainly 
affected the match as in, you know, I didn't think Taylor wrestled quite as well after that for a little bit. So, uh, but sometimes that stuff happens and he was able to get the win and went on to the championship. So, you know, that's what champions do. And yeah, I was happy for him too. He's been waiting a long time for it. For sure, man. For sure. So we'll move up to 92 kilos and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the serious stuff first uh, in a minute, but bald Jaden is the best Jaden. Is that not proven after this weekend? Bald Jaden and glaring at the referee for bad calls, Jaden, is the best game. And he's such a sweet kid. When he gave him that look after he got the last takedown, I'm sitting here in my office, and I just started busting out laughing. I was on the phone with a friend of mine. I just started cracking up because he was on a train, and I was doing play-by-play for him. I just started cracking up. Yeah, for, it's unbelievable. For those that didn't see it, Cox is ahead, uh, and they called him for a fleeing caution and one late in the match, which uh, they had let people run all day, and he wasn't really running. It's just, you know, how Cox does. We've seen it a million times, you know, the hands get moving and the feet get moving, and it looks like he's running, but he's really not any more than anybody else is. And so, Right after that, that cut it, the lead to two to one. Right after that, they get into a scramble, and he takes the guy down to lock it up. And, yeah, he gave the, the ref a look like, you call that on me, I'm going to show you. And that was uh, – <laughs> I, I, I wasn't uh, even a scramble, though, to be fair. He took that guy down. Like, he shot, finished him, held him down, almost got up. KJL, stay on him. Right. <laughs> Wait till the clock runs out, and instead of celebrating, he took a good two or three seconds just to glare over like – were you for real? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe we need to give him a caution and one immediately to start every match, and he'll just tech everybody from then on. Not say that. UWW will do that. Do not say that. <laughs> they don't. Do not say that. Me anymore. Come on. <laughs> going to start ball Jaden down, caution and one every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that was the final over Yankuski from Belarus. Um Cox really had done most of his work before then. He beat Dato Marcegashvili from Georgia in the op- in their opening match, which I thought Dato was a title contender. Uh, went on to beat Karimi from Iran in the semifinals. Um, so he'd kind of run the gauntlet a little bit already to get to the finals and then finished it off. So um, that was amazing to see. Uh, you know, I think obviously when you win two bronze medals, the last couple of years, you're close. And I think we all kind of thought that both of those years, his loss was kind of a, he could have won those matches. Just, you know, the Olympics was a weird one. Probably thought, didn't realize he was behind. Um, and then last year. He absolutely did not realize he was behind. Yeah. And then last yeah. year, you know, he just won match, but he didn't wrestle his best. And so it was really, it's nice to see him put a full tournament together. I think he's still getting better. Um, moving to the OTC to spend more time, you know, he's not a freestyle guy that's been, you know, wrestling freestyle for a million years, uh, especially at a high level. So I think his uh, trajectory is still going up. And you you mentioned the decision he's going to have to make in the Olympic year, but uh, it's really nice to be, to see him as a world champion now. Love his family. His mom and and uncle have both sung the national anthem in my events. I actually recruited Jaden's older brother uh, back in the day. And Jaden always takes time for an interview. Just he's always he's good to everybody. 
And he's, you know, you watch him, you know, shake hands, win or lose. How he shakes hands, the level of sincerity is the same, win, lose, or draw. He's a, a guy that, you know, has overcome some demons, is well-documented, and couldn't be happier for him. And, you know, he's got older brothers in real life, but I feel like Kevin Jackson is sort of his high-level wrestling older brother that you know, I think Jaden has a ton of respect for him. And I think KJ's – I talked to some other guys, and they're like, KJ, if, if he gets to just get his hands on really high-level dudes and just take them from great to phenomenal, he might be as good as, in a country as we have at that. And, you know, watching Kevin's face after Jaden won – was was pretty cool. I think Jaden goes up, and for those of us that followed Fargo, Jaden and Snyder always had one-point matches, and I don't think it would be any different. I think Jaden presents a unique set of problems for Snyder and vice versa. You know, Jaden is faster. He's really strong, but, you know, he's not pushing 1,200-pound sled strong. He's unbelievably flexible and unbelievably quick. And he's starting to get some unique mat awareness in the semi when he was uh, – uh, the, the Iranian took him down, and Jaden kind of paused and then just reversed him to kind of take all the steam right out of it. And I think Jaden's a better scrambler than Snyder. I think, you know, if they get in some high-level scrambles and flexibility and speed matter, I think Jaden would come out on top of those. So I think that's going to be fascinating, but – well, we know for sure is he's not staying at 92 in 2020. He's going up or down. And so you have three, you know, maybe not this year, but three world champions, and only two of them are going to make the team. Right. And, you know, it's a media cliche, you know, who wins that match? The fans. But I would love to see that match. So I, I can't wait for that. Um, but, you know, moving up to 97, Kyle Snyder and Abdul Rashid Sajulayev were – yeah, we mentioned it earlier that UWW separated them, which I appreciate, but they broke their own rules to do it, as they just seem to do whenever they feel like doing it. Um, but in this case, it worked out well for us. Um, Snyder and Sajalaya both worked their way through the bracket, made the finals. It was today, and I, I, I'm still not sure. Um, that actually happened, right, David? Yeah, yeah. That happened. Well, honestly, the guy that wrestled the better tournament won. That's true. Uh, so, for those that didn't see it, Sajulayev, who had gone tech, 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 tech um, into the finals, shot in. Uh, Snyder looked like he had him walled off. They fought for a little while. Um, Sajulayev hooked an elbow, rolled Snyder onto his back. They fought for a while again. Looked like Snyder might come out the other side, but eventually Sajulayev settled and scored the fall in a minute and eight seconds um, to avenge the loss from last year and become world champion once again. Um, I have some reactions, but David, I'm going to let you go first. Well, I, when the Russian coach came on and said he was going to make Snyder look like an amateur, those guys don't generally talk that much. So I think they kind of poked the bear. Like I think Sajulaya, I don't think we'd probably realize like in that country losing is shame and it's it's literally life-changing money and things like that and i was talking to somebody i was driving this weekend i said really what it comes down to if you look at the last match they had at the world if you're a snyder fan you go snyder tried to helicopter him 
gave him two points and still came back and won. If you're a Sajalaya fan, you go, I'm, he was winning the whole match, and the only reason he lost was because he got tired. And, you know, but if you're Sajalaya, you go, I have better technique, better holds, I scored more. Snyder scored a lot of points on push-outs and fatigue. And so, you know, we were having this debate on what's easier to fix in a year, increase your technique from high level to super high level or increase your cardio. I mean, we don't know what happened because Sajalayev didn't get a chance to get tired. But he's unbelievably good. He was the pound-for-pound guy. And I think he becomes the pound-for-pound guy again. I know people are talking about Taylor. And I guess he has an argument because he beat Yasani. But, you know, Sajalayev, to me, was just super impressive. And I think Snyder's been pulled in a couple different directions. He's done a ton of media stuff ton of stuff for Rudis. Um, he, po- you know, he was posting on Twitter today. And usually those guys shut it all down and get away from that because, you know, Twitter is like just the echo box of people on both ends of society. There's like nobody moderate Instagram, all those kind of things, social media. I think he'll probably shut it down a lot earlier next year. I'm super fascinated to see those guys wrestle in 2019 because I think now if either one of them was taking the other one lightly, that's done. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of the same questions you did. I think you did a good job of breaking down last year's match and you know, the way that both sides could come away thinking, well, I can beat him by more next time, or I can beat him next time, depending on which side you were on. Um, and you know, after today, the way the match went, I still have those questions. Um, I have no idea. I don't know if Sajalayev right. is in better shape. Obviously, he spent most of the year at 92 kilos, which is higher than 86 where he used to wrestle, but it's still not a full 97. So I kind of wonder if he's still working his way in. I don't know if that would have been a factor. We didn't get to see him long enough to know. Um, you know, there was, there's been some talk. I mean, obviously, Snyder had an 8-3 to three match to start um, his tournament. Uh, won 3-0 in the semifinals. There's been some talk. Maybe he was a little off. I, I don't I don't buy into that necessarily. You know, this is the world championship. This is it's hard. It's not easy. Um and you know Snyder's been he's won all his matches at World and Olympics before, but he's always been a guy to wrestle close matches here and there. He's taken losses here and there. He, that's just him, and we we've gotten spoiled because he always comes through in the end and gets the W. But this time he didn't, and I think, I mean, we all want our favorite to win every time. But from a standpoint of the story, like nothing could have gone better than for Stajulayev to do what he did because not only did he pin him, but he did it so early that now we have no idea. We're going to spend the next year guessing <laughs> and trying to figure out who looks bigger, who looks stronger. It, you know, what does this mean? And then we're going to get to see it again next year. I'll, I mean, I, you never know that people get hurt, people get upset, but I don't see either one of these guys getting upset. That would be insane. I mean, when was the last time either one of them, you know, Sajalayev has only lost to Snyder at Worlds or Olympics in his entire career. Um, Snyder's right. losses outside of it, but he's obviously only lost to Sajalaya. So this is insanely good storylines 
to build around. Um, you know, one thing I will give UWW a lot of credit for is they've they've taken to building these hype videos and to getting out storylines. And this is an easy one. This is a slam dunk that we can talk to talk about for the rest of the year. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get a sneak peek in Yargan. Maybe they'll both go. Who knows? Um, but I don't think anything could, better could have happened in that regard. Um, obviously, you know, as an American, I wanted Snyder to win. Uh, but it's great for wrestling in general, I think. Well, and, you know, we talked about this, but it didn't change the team outlook. Right. You know, so that was, you know, that was good too. Right. And that, yeah, that was the final match of the men's freestyle tournament um, because 125 had already gone on a previous day. Uh, and yes, as David mentions, Russia had already wrapped up the team. Title. USA did finish second. Um, final score was 178 to 150 under you know if you if you forgot last year's score they're completely different because UWW overhauled the scoring system um can't be compared really exactly uh weight for weight um but yeah it was it was a great clash of the titans i wish it would last longer than 68 seconds but we'll we'll get to speculate on it for for another year <laughs> yeah for sure right Yep. Uh, so let's go to 125 kilos because we're going in weight order, even though it it went off early. Um, Nick Wisdowski will claim another world bronze medal, just as he did last year. Um, he lost to Dang from China in the quarterfinals. Uh, Dang eventually lost to Dino Petriashvili, the defending world champion from Georgia, in the finals. Um, the big story in that regard, before we talk about Gwiz a little more, was that Taha Atgul, who had been the reigning world champion, who was knocked off in an epic final last year against Petrishvili, lost to Hadi from Iran in the quarters. And then when Hadi lost to Petrishvili, Atgul did not place. So um, a little UWW anarchy for you there. Uh, very surprised that Atgul didn't place. Uh, but Gwiz bounces back faced Amar Desi from Canada, who you may remember from wrestling at Oregon State up till last year, uh, beat him seven to nothing, and then beat the Indians to meet in the bronze medal match seven to two. Um, you know, Gwiz looked like Gwiz. Uh, he wrestled tough. Uh, the dang match was a little disappointing, I think. I think a lot of people thought he could get to the finals, but uh, bronze medal, nothing to, nothing to hang your head about. Yeah. I mean, I think you had a chance to make, you look at the draw, and no draws ever easy, but it looked like he had a chance to make the finals. But he's a guy that's consistently proven he's top three, four in the world. And I think that's, you know, I think that's super impressive. He sits in final X. And, you know, last year, I think some people kind of got on the Coon, Adam Coon train thinking that and he handled him pretty easily. So I think... I think it's super interesting to see what adjustments he and Obi Blanc and the rest of those guys will make to try to get him to the next level. He's a guy that seems to have the lead in a lot of matches and, and every once in a while that lead sneaks away from him. So, you know, I don't know if it's a mentality, like a concentration thing. I really don't know, but it's uh it's going to be interesting because it feels like he he could get there, you know, right? Yeah. I, so, well, I think he definitely has the offense to do so, and I think that's that's a hard thing to do at this level. You know, you talked earlier about, you know, can you 
get your technique better or your cardio better in a year, what's the easiest thing to do? I think that's kind of similar to how I see international wrestling. If you can score on guys, you can figure out, you know, how to win matches. It's harder to figure out how to score than to maybe shore up some defense. And especially when you start wrestling guys like Petrishvili and Eckel, who can score a lot of points, you know, that's defense is important. Um, but the fact that you can score on guys gives them a chance. And it, I think that's why it's easy to see him jumping to that next level. Right. I agree. I mean, like America did great, right? Like, and, you know, I think a lot of us talked privately and said, look, everything went right last year and they won by one match. So it's going to be hard. I think, you know, there'll be some doping tests to come out in the next couple of years and you know, it's, you never know, right? Like, We've seen a lot of things get reversed 8, 10, 12 years later. So, uh, But America's set up really well for the future. The final X stuff is really interesting. Pretty much everybody from 74 kilos on up is already setting, plus Cologne. Yeah, a big shout-out to Cologne, man, just from a guy staying ready and being an alternate. We talked about that. But, you know, that might be one of the coolest storylines from the event, just perseverance and, and being ready when you have your chance. Definitely. And, you know, shout out to Nashawn Garrett, who traveled over to support Cologne in a tough spot. I'm, I'm sure he'd rather have been wrestling, but that's really cool to see um, guy you've been battling with. And like I said, now he's going to have to go the hard road to beat Cologne in, in the final X next year. Um, so that's that's good to see people uh, supporting each other. That's awesome. Um, the last time we had three men's freestyle champs in the year was 1996 uh, when Kendall Cross, Tom Brands and Kurt Angle won Olympic gold. And, you know, I was looking over, I did an article a while back about the top uh, team performances at world championships for Team USA. This is right up there. Um, and, like, you know, so you mentioned, yeah, we didn't win the team title. Russia did a great job, but um, three world champions, seven medals overall. That's, that's fantastic for men's freestyle. It is. And the women started, but I think we're, we're pretty late here. We'll just cover all that next week, the women's and the Greco, you know, yeah, depending on how long it takes. I was just going to give a quick shout-out to where we are in that tournament, but we'll get to it. Um, Jakar Winchester got fifth. Adeline Gray's going for gold tomorrow, and Tamara Mensah-Stocks going for bronze. Force Molinari still alive in the repechage. Um, there's still more weights to go. Helen hasn't gone yet. Uh, we've got a few more medal threats, but we will cover that next week. Um, sorry to go long. Thanks for hanging in there. We had a lot to cover. Um, David, you got anything? <laughs> no. God loves – we love wrestling. Awesome tournaments. Awesome tournament. So it's not over. Check, keep supporting the women. Check out Greco, and we will be back next week with the, that and more um, on the Way In Podcast. Thanks to Track Wrestling for letting us do this. We'll see you next week.